Well, hello and welcome to Binge Watch, the podcast where we take a look at the hottest new TV and film releases on streaming television platforms. I'm Hannah Fernando, the group editor of Woman and Woman and Fame magazine. And I'm still Ian McEwan, writer on TV Times, What's on TV and TV and Satellite Week magazines. And today we're looking at the new releases for the week starting Friday the 21st of April 2023, including Rachel Weisz in a modern remake of the classic film Dead Ringers on Prime Video and the mouth-watering Apple TV Plus wine-tasting drama Drops of God. And we'll also be remembering the hunt for Raoul Moat on ITV and getting ready for the latest instalment of I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here! Also on ITV. First Ian, what is in the news? I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> the pilot <laughs> Netflix comedy Little Sky will star Samara Weaving as a rookie news reporter stumbling across a conspiracy as she looks into the disappearance of a small town mayor. What else is in the news, Hannah? Well, in prime video thriller Killer Heat, Richard Madden will portray twin brothers who are embroiled in a disturbing love triangle on a Greek island. So there you go. Some good selections this week, I would say. And we're going to kick off on Prime Video. This arrives Friday the 21st of April. A new series called Dead Ringers. And here's a clip. I want to change the way that women birth. It is world-changing. How does that vomit-inducing idealism translate into dollars? I do my job to help people. Baby sister, you are so deliciously perfect. Where do you come from? He's So this has been getting quite a lot of attention in the press. It stars the Oscar winner, Rachel Weiss, big fan of hers. And, I mean, so many old movies are getting reworked as TV series now, aren't they, Hannah? And this is no exception. It's a six-part series, and it's inspired by the David Cronenberg horror movie Dead Ringers which I don't know if you remember that, it was 1988 release starring Jeremy Irons, and he was playing twin gynaecologists. It was all pretty grim, as I recall. I haven't seen it for years, but there's kind of like a lot of body horror in it, and there was sort of drug addiction. They Basically, they both fall in love with the same woman. And it all goes to pot. Well, in this TV version of the story... They've flipped the gender role so that you've got Vice playing two identical twin sisters working in America. They're both obstetricians. There's Elliot and Beverly. So, and usefully, most of the time, I stress most of the time, you can easily tell them apart because of their different hairstyles. One has her hair up, the other has her hair down. So Elliot is sort of quite extrovert outspoken thrill seeker she likes going to nightclubs she likes taking cocaine beverly is much more sensible and reserved and she is trying for a baby herself however and this is the great twist to both the film and the tv series is that at certain times they decide to swap so one will text swap to the other they'll change their hairstyles and each of them will go in and carry on whatever the other one was doing. So like at work, they, they might swap patients without the patients realising. So it's a, it's a really good premise. And I think the fact that they've made the, the, the leads female makes it a lot more palatable, to be honest. But there is still 
I mean, it's it's pretty visceral. It's pretty gynecological. There's a lot of footage of sort of speculums and people giving birth. Quite early on, you've got Beverly looking at a miscarriage in the toilet. So it's yeah, it's 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 a pretty challenging watch. But I think the fact that they've flipped the genders and it starts off with the twins getting sort of sexually harassed by this creepy guy while they're trying to out for a meal. They actually want to open their own institution to help women with conception and birth. So, it's yeah, it's very different, I must say. And you don't need to have watched the film, which I wouldn't particularly recommend the movie. Rachel Weiss, I very much like her. Of course, her other half is James Bond star, Daniel Craig. So they're one of our power couples. You've also got Jennifer Earle, who was... A brilliant Lizzie Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. She plays a potential investor. So it can be quite shocking. It's very grown up. It's darkly comedic. It's pretty graphic. But I think it's very interesting, sort of sexy, subversive and well worth checking out. But yes, with with the proviso that elements of it may come as quite a shock. What did you think, Hannah? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the whole kind of gender flip thing is probably a good thing. I think it's a bit of an uncomfortable watch in places, although I did enjoy it. Um, their relationship as twins is slightly uncomfortable, isn't it? It's just sort of really, really close. And then you just sort of know that that can't really last. And of course, not that it doesn't, but there are bumps in the road. And, and, and I think that sort of is interesting. It's not for the squeamish, I would agree. And that's coming from somebody who's had two children. Um, <laughs> I don't need to see a speculum <laughs> ever again. Um, so I, it, I definitely think it is, is something to watch. I did enjoy it. But I, I think, like you said, it's, it's not a terribly easy watch, is it? Over on ITVX, a true crime drama series which is available all three parts um it it aired on itv this week it's called the hunt for raoul moat and here's a clip what's he like life's kind it's just nice (laughs) but it's my ex raoul you'll not have it you and me the gunman's been named as raoul moat shoots his ex shoots a new fellow in cold blood he's coming for you so Coppers. This man declared war on Northumbria police. Yep. So this is actually really interesting. It's a it's a, a a true crime drama, and most of us will remember the headlines and the news surrounding this story. And I always think it's really interesting to watch something that was um, in our time, if you like, and something that you do actually remember. And of course, um, Raoul Moat went on the run i mean it was it was in july 2010 i mean it's just a seems just like yesterday actually but it really wasn't um he'd already served a jail sentence um previously but he came out and he went on the run because he um wounded his ex-partner samantha stobert and he killed her new boyfriend chris brown and i think everyone was gripped because really he should have been caught you think he should have been caught immediately, but he wasn't. He was on the run for quite some time. And there are parts of this story that feel like they're, they're, they're fiction, not facts. I mean, that you remember when, when uh, 
Gaza got involved, that kind of overtook the story for a while. That was kind of really strange, although this shines a bit of a spotlight on the fact that, you know, although it seemed like a big part at the time, it wasn't a big part in this. It looks very much from the the police side of how much they put themselves in the line of fire. You know, this guy was somebody who was... Um, a sociopath you know he he wasn't going to stop and they put themselves you know in the line of fire quite literally um with one officer was shot um i think he was bl- went blind in one eye and then he tragically took his own life later it was it's a really sad story but equally at the same time he was kind of rising as this on social media as kind of um somebody to sort of to almost worship for his actions because sort of um anti-establishment i suppose and um this takes you through the whole the whole journey of it whereas we just watched it through the camera lens um you see the press's involvement um you saw um the part that they had to play in it and it's a, a really good I thought it was very well done, actually. Um, it's a drama, so it's very pacey. Um, as I say, I, I find it fascinating. Kind of, it, it sort of fits the whole jigsaw together because most of us would have watched it but only seen, I suppose, the edited highlights of what was really going on, whereas this was 24 hours a day um, trying to, to find this guy before he caused any more harm to anybody else. And um, there was one journalist who sort of tried to tell his story so it it did capture everyone and um i have to say i found it very very interesting how about you Ian? i thought it was very good i must say it stars lee ingleby as the detective who's leading the investigation and um he's a great actor so there has been a bit in the press over the last week saying that the, the people of rothbury wear moat sort of hid out in the woods before he was sort of run to ground by the police, saying it was still too raw uh, to, to, to make mm. this a subject of a drama. But I think it's been very sensitively done, very well done. It's Matt Stoko plays Moat, and he was in uh, Jamestown a few years ago. So, yeah, as you say, the Gaza thing is virtually ignored because that is a bit of a sideshow. They mentioned that Ray Mears, the the uh, woodsman, the celebrity woodsman, he was brought in to help in the search. And I noticed he's done a few interviews in the press to, to go with this show. But it's very much the story of the victims because one character says at one point, oh, you know, all people will remember about Raoul Moat is Gaza. And, and you do hear much more about Samantha and Chris and how they got together. And it was all very unfortunate because... Moat ended up virtually declaring war on the police because to protect herself and her boyfriend, Samantha pretended that he was a policeman and when in fact he wasn't. Then there's this bizarre twist to the story, which I'd forgotten, which is that a couple of friends of Moat's agreed to pretend that he'd kidnapped them so that he could say, oh, I'll kill my hostages, you know, if, if you come and get me. So, yeah, I think it's really well done. Uh, Ingleby, as ever, is excellent, and um, yeah, just, I think it's a sensitive retelling of, of, a, of you know a shocking and and strange story of, of one of our biggest ever manhunts. Now, something rather different over on Apple TV Plus. It's another drama series called Drops of God, arriving on Friday the twenty first of April, and here's a clip. Your father's legacy is the biggest wine collection in the world. 
its full value, $148 million. He set up a test to determine who would inherit this. His daughter or his exceptional student. This is an eight-parter. Slightly odd title, Drops of God, but uh, once you start watching, you'll realise what it refers to. So unusually, it's filmed in French, Japanese and English. But please do not let this put you off. It's very good. So it stars Fleur Geffrier as this Parisian woman called Camille. And we start off with a flashback to her. It's intriguing, a flashback to her childhood where a man who we assume is her father is feeding her little bits of, of food and she's blindfolded and she has to identify what they are and he's being quite sort of strict and aggressive with her and basically he's trying to train her up to be an expert on wine so that she can you know so that her senses will be super tuned to identifying particular things anyway we flash forward to the present day she's out in a bar she meets uh, a young guy she's written a couple of books and he's a fan and they get chatting. She doesn't drink, but he has a drink. And then he tries to kiss her. And because she has such a strong allergic reaction to alcohol, she collapses and has a nosebleed. So it's all quite weird, but in a good way. And then she gets a phone call saying that her father, who is estranged from her, he's dying. Well, he brings her and he says, oh, you've got to come, you've got to come. You know, I'm not going to last long. He's in Tokyo. So she jumps on a plane because she wants a bit of closure and when she gets there well we meet in the meantime we meet another character in Tokyo who is a wine export bird called Isai who's played by Tomohisa Yamashita I think I've got that right <laughs> who has been trained up by the dad and has become a wine expert so I know that's a lot of setup. <laughs> I apologize but what's going to happen is so the dad has left this legacy which is worth a lot of money it's this huge wine collection but either the daughter or the sort of protege is going to inherit it depending on who wins this series of tasting tests pretty unusual idea it's based on a manga comic book i believe but i i really liked it i am um, I love the Parisian sections. And then once you get to Tokyo, it's got that, that totally different Japanese flavour. And it's a world I certainly don't know very much about it, although I do drink a lot of wine, Hannah. But I think the way that it kind of captures that, the essence of what, what, what it is to kind of smell and taste these very distinctive bouquets and these fine wines, it's really cleverly done. And it's just very unusual, you know. So, uh, yeah, I liked it, I must say. What did you think? Well, as a lover of wine, I absolutely loved it. Um, I did some, um, was it, it was Prosecco and Champagne tasting not so long ago, and um, I learned all about how to do it. So, um, and, and, and yeah, so, but I've always been taught not to waste, so it's quite hard to spit, if I'm honest. But anyway, that's another thing altogether. I, I did enjoy it, although I got this poor, poor person who basically has a complete um, aversion to wine because... She, she has nosebleeds. I mean, it, it's awful, isn't it, really? And it's all connected to her childhood because her father kind of pressured her, but kind of was 
secretly coaching her to understand this trade I suppose and it's come out physically so it's really it's sort of like um it's it's quite horrible in a way isn't it because there's so much money 140 million dollars up for grabs you know if, if if she was to to win this competition and yet up against somebody who presumably um is so much better because a they know the trade more so and b aren't allergic to alcohol so it's um it's a really i don't think we've ever discussed anything quite like this before and it's quite different but it, it is enjoyable i did like it you can't have been unaware of the imminent arrival of the latest series of I'm a Celebrity, which is trundling onto ITV this week. Before Hannah tells us all about it, here's a clip. Safari. So goody. <laughs> Elephant. We are simply sensational at Sunny Savannah Safaris. Was that a buffalo? Yeah, tick buffalo. Yep, so this is I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, All Stars. And a bit of a treat, really, because we're not used to it at this time of year. But this was this was filmed some time ago and um, is now only now reaching our screens. And I think it was the, the concern was that if ever lockdown happened again, they had this in the bag and, you know, let's use it now because I don't think there'll be another lockdown, she says, hopefully. So they're all contestants that have been in the jungle previously so um and and they've taken i suppose they've taken i was about to say they've taken the best they've taken the ones mad enough to go in again let's be clear about it so you've got amir khan um he was in, in 2017 um you've got jordan banjo 20, 2016 he was in it helen flanagan back in 2012 cast your mind right the way back she's had a boob job since although i think that was I think that was after the filming, she says, with that weird minutiae information. Um, we've got Carol Vorderman in there. She was back, she was in there in 2016. So they were all in the Australian jungle. Fatima Whitbread in 2011. Paul Burrell, of course we've got Paul back. Um, he would never say no. From 2004. Phil Tufnell, great first time round. Bound to be great this time around, um, back in 2003. And then there's Janice Dickinson. Now, she was in it in 2007, but she's had to be, she's been pulled out um, quite last minute for um, a head injury. Um, she was forced to quit. She, it was a head injury on set, which is quite worrying, and there hasn't been much comment around it, but she's not in it. And then finally, we've got um, Sean Ryder, um, who was in it in 2010. And the difference about this one is that although they're quite mean in Australia and they make the meat, you know, crocodile genitalia and god knows what else and it's all disgusting and horrid and but you're fighting as a team and if you look increasingly at reality tv that it's just getting nastier and nastier and this has a really different tone about it where they're kind of pitting people against each other and so this is um they are literally competing against one another they're competing to stay in the camp so it's not a team and, you know, when you're hungry, you'll do a lot of things, I suppose. So it's got this quite dark side to it, which presumably is where the viewing figures are. And that's what they're all chasing. So I presume it will work. Um, and then they're crowned an I'm a celeb legend. So it's, yeah, it, it is a bit different. It's not just because it's set in South Africa that it's different. It just has a darker sort of side to it, but with the cheeky chappy Anton Deck thing diddling on the side um 
it's going to get watched people are going to like it um and 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 there's always there's always somebody that breaks in there isn't there it's, it's tough it is tough when you're hungry and in this situation probably arguing with your pals and there's there's one small clip that i've seen where helen flanagan just sort of looks and says yes another day in paradise and you you know the irony is not lost on me will you be watching it Ian? i won't be watching it but, I, but, but <laughs> I'm not going to be all sniffy about I'm a Celebrity because I certainly did watch it when it started and I have enjoyed it. Although I know Chris Packham shared his concerns that uh, it's not very pleasant for all the animals that they use in the trials, which I agree. And it's funny to think that, was it back in the 80s, we used to watch Clive James on television showing us all these strange Japanese endurance slash torture humiliation tv shows and we'd laugh and think how weird and funny the foreigners were and of course now it's what we do and love so yeah i don't watch it anymore because i think i've you know i've just kind of a bit bored of it but um i would say fatima whitbread will be unbeatable in the trials mm-hmm. um and i mean one of the funniest moments they've ever had on I'm a Celebrity was when the dreadful Paul Burrell was doing that trial and just making such a meal of it. It was and and Anton Day yeah. were killing themselves with laughter. So I should be if I were watching it, I would certainly be voting for him to do as many trials as possible. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an absolute monster, isn't it, in terms of ratings and you know I can't deny it. Anton Deckard, brilliant as the host. So, but yes, mm. uh, not for me. I'm too busy with Mafsau as you know. Um, so <laughs> we've got to that time, Hannah, thankfully, where you're going to tell us what you've been binge-watching on this week. Like, I don't know why, but Twitter seems to sort of fallen off the radar for me in terms of social media, although I'm not a massive social media feed. And then uh, all of a sudden, Jeremy Clarkson seemed to start trending. So I thought, he's telling me something, I need to log in and watch Clarkson's film. So I did. Um, I also finally managed to finish um, Romantic Getaway um, with uh, Ramesh Ranganathan, which I just don't know whether I enjoyed it or not, but I really hate leaving something without finishing it. So and it, they've left it ripe for another series. So there we go. How about you? Well, Hannah, if I say to you, what have I been watching on the television this week, Hannah? That's my David Bowie impression. And because, of course, I've been watching Moon Age Daydream, the excellent Bowie documentary on Netflix. There's also another very good music-related documentary on Netflix, all about the Scottish singer-songwriting sensation Lewis Capaldi, who I wasn't really familiar with his music, but it's, it's very good. And he opens up about his mental health problems that after he became hugely famous he 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 felt so much anxiety to sort of deliver a second album and, and a, another big single that he, he developed this quite dramatic sort of twitch um you find out all about that you kind of see him hanging out with his friends a couple of whom are now in his band and he just comes across as a a great a great guy uh who's very upfront about the the struggles he's had and also just with this really great relationship with his mum and dad as well who 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 are terrific support to him so yeah i was 
I, I loved it and I recommend it. I think he, he comes over so well in it, doesn't he? And you learn so much about him. I think he's a really funny guy. And he has tried quite terrible Tourette's, yes, doesn't he? that's right. It, it, this Tourette's diagnosis is revealed. Well, I, I know it's out there, but you see him discovering the diagnosis in, in the film. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Now, we've just got time to look ahead to next week's offerings. So what's on the agenda, Brenda? Move over, James Bond. Richard Madden plays a secret agent recalled to duty for a high-stake new mission in Citadel on Amazon Prime. Yes, second shout-out for Madden in this week's pod. And Alexander Maloney and Jude Law will star in a new version of the action-packed fantasy about the boy who never grew up, Peter Pan and Wendy on Disney Plus. So we look forward to those and more, but in the meantime. Keep 